Hi, this is Jason. And this is Jimmy Mack. And you're listening to Geek Out Loud. May the force be with you, bro. You know, I've always thought that Geek Out Loud is at its best when you just start geeking out about things and talking about things that you never intended to talk about. This episode is just that, as Michael Cohen stops by, finally. And we meant to talk about one or two things, but we ended up talking about one or two or three different things. But that's what Geek Out Loud is all about. It's your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. This is your safe place to geek out, and I need to kind of explain exactly what's about to happen. Our good friend Michael Cohen, who is responsible for basically every podcast I've ever started or done, the look of it, the feel of it, visually, uh, thanks to his work at AWS Creative, Arc Wolf Studios, um, he stopped by. He's We have an ongoing gag or joke that for several years now, he's wanted to come on the show, come on the show, come on the show, and we've never really gotten him officially on. Well, uh, I was able to sit down finally, and we started talking, and what we meant to talk about, we never talked about. <laughs> it is, uh, it, it's an interesting conversation as we talk... We were talking about the ending of the Clone Wars, and I have a whole Steve Star Wars corner that I have not released because it's so negative. And not where I'm dogging on Disney and not where I'm, you know, saying hateful, mean things, but I'm just so despondent. And as I listened back to it, I'm like, oh, this is lame. This is not good. So I may, my plan is to take that Steve Star Wars corner and make fun of myself as I talk about the things that I talk about there, because I don't want to waste the audio. Lord, I sat down and did it, for crying out loud. But uh, as as we fired up the recording, Michael and I were already in the midst of a conversation, and it just progressed, 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 and I realized this is going to be the show. We talk Star Wars, we talk Marvel, we talk uh, just the, the stuff that's going on now, and, and, I, and in the most positive way possible, we get our feelings out about the situation. It is uh, it is a geek out loud like I, I feel like hasn't been done in a long time. It's just two geeks talking about what they're passionate about and and not not holding not pulling any punches, but also not doing the the thing that we all tend to want to do sometimes online and whine and whine and whine away. So, without further ado, we join this conversation already in progress. <laughs> I feel like at the end of the day, the things they're doing make no sense whatsoever business-wise. I just can't see the business sense it, of it. 
it it's it started out as like oh okay i see what they're doing and then the more you hear about it the more it's like what's going on like who's making these calls because it's clearly not somebody who cares about seeing more star wars right like i i don't know i think there's just such a bad taste in people's mouths from from the prequels and I, that when i say that i mean the general public the gp right 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 like to call them like they just they're so because of the ain't it cool news well and that's the thing culture it, it, thing like everybody hates on the prequels even though they're they're i mean revenge of the sith is an awesome movie i i think that that attack of the clones is great and phantom menace is good it's got it's it's a little slow in places but it's still a better movie than the majority of crap people see but all of the all of the star wars movies with the exception of jedi get really slow in places yeah um the uh you know jedi kind of starts out a little slow and they hit jabba's palace and you do all that set up then you're on the barge and then you're too you know, you, the the slow parts really have significance. The death of Yoda, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah. you know, and so, but, you know, quite frankly, even Empire slows down big time after the Battle of Hoth. Well, I people get mad at me when I say this, but I when I need to go to sleep, like when I have a cold or something like that, and I really need something to put me to sleep, I'll put on Empire. Because... But on the one hand, it's like a it's a it's a comfy blanket, right? Like right, it's right, just right. it's I know it so well that I don't even need to be watching it to know what's happening. Like I can hear one line of dialogue and I've got the rest of the movie, right? Right. Um, but the on the other hand, like you get to Dagobah and it just like it just puts me out. Like I, I I'm I'm just done, and not because it's boring, but I, like because it's just the pace slows down. It slows down and, considerably, and you you slow down with it because it's so well done, right? Mm-hmm. Like the second that Yoda reveals himself as Yoda, and you know it it's intercut with the with the stuff uh, inside the asteroid, but that stuff's really slow as well well right because that's just the romance between yeah Han once and Leia, they once so. they get away once they get into the asteroid belt and they get into the 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 slug worm the space worm mm-hmm. or whatever the space slug it's done it's just yeah. you know and and so I don't know I and I do feel like the phantom menace is unwarranted in, in the crit it's the criticism leveled at it is very unwarranted. Yeah. Because to me, I think Phantom Menace is a stronger movie than Attack of the Clones. I always have. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way. I I feel like the thing that you could do that would strengthen Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones simultaneously, and I mean, like you can't do this, but if 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 you could go back and change history, just making Darth Maul and Count Dooku the same character mm-hmm. right like yeah. finding some way to combine those two characters uh and and to be perfectly honest in episode three if you got rid of grievous i don't think that i'd miss him uh and it, so if you just had a villain who was constant all the way throughout and it was it was the villain that killed qui-gon so that gives obi-wan the the impetus for like his whole character motivation is gone at the end of episode one because he kills Darth Maul. So 
like it, it, he, he's got the I've made a promise to Qui-Gon so he has to train Anakin but it would be so much more interesting if when Dooku confronts him in Attack of the Clones that's the first time he's seen Dooku since Dooku killed Qui-Gon yeah, right and yeah. if Qui-Gon and if like if Darth Maul slash Dooku if Dooku Maul was a uh, was Qui-Gon's master and that was who they confronted and there was some dialogue at the end of episode one and and the whole sort of the mystery of the Sith started to be unraveled there instead of oh you have to wait all the way until episode two until like the end of episode two at which point people have forgotten that the Sith were pulling strings in episode one like again general public have like kind of forgotten that because they watched the movie once three years ago and now you're into this and and this dooku guy is talking about something you're like what is going i don't know what these people are talking about well and see but see to me that's the weakness of episode two is there's so much they try to build this mystery and you end up with this name sifo ds that never comes back up again you end up with uh, these clones and and it's never really revealed. Like I, you know, I think that we as fans kind of generally get the idea that Dooku went as Sifo-Dyas to to get the clones, or either trick Sifo-Dyas into doing it yeah. and killed him. I think we get that general idea, but that's never re- that's never been said and it's never been explained. And yeah. and to me, if that would have been explained at the end, been like, oh well, I did this. You know, we've set this up, but you couldn't do that without letting the Jedi know that both sides are being played against the middle. Yeah. And so, and, and honestly, if Palpatine had done that in Sith, you know, with a speech kind of like what he gave to Luke, it was I who allowed the rebels, you know, to, when yeah, he does yeah. that to Luke, it's like, oh, wow, you really have been pulling the strings. And so a lot of people sometimes miss just how much he's pulling the strings. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I always go back to this. The thing that hurt the prequels the most were the expectations of people my age. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And, and and everyone has bought into that, forgetting that you've got people like, well, take the Blantons, for example. Riley yeah. and Bethany love episode one. Yeah. They love the prequels. And Riley will even, I think he's even gone so far as to say he kind of likes the prequels a little bit more as a whole than he does the original trilogy and people yeah. who I've introduced to the films enjoyed the prequel trilogy more than they enjoyed the original trilogy. Yeah. You know, who'd never seen any of it. And so, you know, it's funny though, cause I'm watching through, uh, the Blu-rays with, with Crystal's parents, with, with her mom and her stepdad. Right. I, uh, and we finished, we, we just, this uh, last Sunday we watched episode four and so, like, when we got through episodes one to three, Danny had never seen them before, Crystal's stepdad. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he has a hard time following movies in general. Like, right. he, he, for the longest time, called the, uh, oh, what did he call the Avengers? The Fantastics. Nice. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you go, like, you remember that movie with Iron Man and Captain America and those guys? And you'll be like, yeah, yeah, the Fantastics. It's like, it's called the Avengers, Danny. It, like... <laughs> The Fantastics isn't even a movie. Like he's taken the Fantastic Four, the Incredibles, and the Inven- and the Avengers, and, and made them in his up. mind, he's just mixed them all up. Right, like they're all the same thing to him. So this is a guy like that's that for the frame of reference. That's how he watches movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he watched he watched Iron Man up until the point where Iron Man built the first suit. 
like uh not not the one that he breaks out with but like he builds this the the mark two wow the silver one <laughs> he watched it up until that point and then he went and then he went okay i'm good now i know where and know know where he came from so i understand because he saw avengers first and then he watched he borrowed oh, iron man from okay. me okay okay and he was like he was like i'm good now i understand he didn't finish the movie and it's like wow. but but there's so much more in that movie that happens after. Oh, I yeah. don't know if there's so much more, but there's good stuff that happens after that. Well, the introduction right? of Coulson. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen until the second, like the the. I guess, I guess that's like the very end of the movie almost. It's toward. Well, he's kind of in and out. Like at he, the press conference, he said he talks to yeah. Pepper. Yeah. And um and then from there, it's just like he keeps trying to get in touch, and it's at the end when she's yeah. like, "Yeah, our meeting's happening right now. Right now, it's happening." <laughs> yeah uh but yeah i i it, we watched through episodes one two and three and it was like every five minutes it was like okay pause the movie allow me to explain because he has questions all the time right mm. so you like you pause the movie and you're like okay so that guy is count dooku he is the leader of the the separatist movement which is a movement to to because they have a problem with the republic so and then you have to use analogies in order for him to understand it and so we did all of that with episodes one two and three particularly episode one he needed a lot of he was like who is that guy is that obi-wan kenobi and i'm like no the younger guy is obi-wan kenobi that's qui-gon Jinn, obi-wan kenobi's master yeah and he's like What's the difference? Mm. And I'm like, really, there isn't much of a difference, you know. For the for story purposes, he is Obi Wan Kenobi. He's just the Obi Wan Kenobi before Obi Wan Kenobi was Obi Wan Kenobi. Right. It makes sense to us, but I think like, you know, for him, it was very confusing. We got to Episode Four, and his remarks constantly were, "Now this is much better." Oh, this is so much better. I can follow this movie. I understand but that's, who the people that's, are and But that's because, on. and I'll tell you what, though, that's because, and he has the same problem that a lot of other people I've watched with have the problem, is is he gets confused because, they're, because he remembers this was the first one released. Yeah. And people can't put it in chronological order as far as the story goes. Yeah. They're wanting to do, and so that's a that's a you know to me that's a weakness on the general public to the film. Not that people are stupid, yeah. but that that's just kind of they sit down. So now wait a minute, this happened before. The other thing is the minute Anakin comes on screen as a nine year old kid, mm -hmm. then there needed to be fifteen years or so between that and Attack of the Clones, mm -hmm. and and they needed and they need to go ahead and say the Clone Wars lasted a good seven to ten years, um, mm -hmm. just because the age appropriateness once you get to the original trilogy to me always seems a bit skewed. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, but again, that's change. That's going back. If you could change history and do this, the thing is though, Disney has bought into all this stuff and, and I, you know, I'm sorry. I don't, to me, you can go business. You can talk about business. Brian Q. Miller tweeted me the other day when I said something about it. When it happened, and I've got, I'm sitting on right now an episode of Steve Star Wars Corner that is the most depressing mm. thing you've ever heard from a Geek <laughs> Out Loud feed, and I just, I don't want to release it because it is so depressing. And I'm not, uh -huh. I'm not spewing venom on Disney. I'm just like, I don't yeah. understand what's going on. This is killing yeah. me. This is, you know, this is really shaking my faith. And what I was originally excited about, I'm yeah. no longer excited about, and that still stands true. At this point, I really could care less about episode seven, eight, and nine. Really. 
Uh, See, I'm still, I you know, like the closer we get to Star Trek Into Darkness, the more I get excited for Episode Seven because, like, that latest trailer that got released, people were going like, "Man, that looks like a Star Wars movie!" Like, it just, <laughs> it, it's as much as the first one. I mean, he it was Han Solo as Captain Kirk, right? right. Like that was, and and the, and J.J. Abrams said that from the beginning. He was like, "I'm gonna." take star trek and i'm gonna make captain kirk more like han solo and i'm gonna make star trek more like star wars and the first time you see the the not even the enterprise the one at the very beginning the the very first fight that the movie opens with with uh with kirk's father right the first time you see those batteries open up and just start like shooting proton photon torpedoes and mm-hmm. And uh, and and laser beams and whatever they they are in Star Trek, like all the all that stuff lights up. You're like, well, this is this is what a Star Wars movie would look like with a different, if it wasn't from that same classical angle that right. that George Lucas goes from, right? Because he because George Lucas makes those movies from a standpoint of like classic cinema, and that's what makes the original trilogy timeless right Mm -hmm. like even though the haircuts are the 70s and a lot of the outfits feel kind of 70s ish i especially on cloud city i the the film itself has this timeless quality because of the way that that it's shot and then even with the prequels they they share that a lot i and it but it's a it's it's not visually uninteresting it's not like a kevin smith movie where the camera doesn't move it doesn't do anything interesting Well, but it's just like it's it, he treats the camera like they had to treat the cameras back in the 30s. They couldn't do a lot of moving shots. They couldn't do a lot of crazy stuff because the cameras were huge. Right. Right. So that's his mentality. But if you went modern with it, that's what Star Trek 2009 did for me. It was like if you made a Star Wars movie with no limitations the space battles would look like the space battles did in that. Sure. You know? Well, my thing is though, I just, with, with what Disney's done is like I say, I understand what they're saying business wise, all this other mess. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, it, they've sucked the life out of me as a fan because I don't trust them. Yeah. I don't trust no. them. I don't, I don't trust what they're doing. I don't trust their, their commitment to the, to the franchise. They're looking for the paycheck that the franchise is going to give them. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and the truth is if it's George doing that fine, mm-hmm. you know, if it's it, because it's his baby and if it's going to make money for him, good for you. But when it's this corporation coming and doing it, I'm just, there's a part of me just like, no, I, that's not, this is not yours to do that with. And then yeah. for them to cut the Clone Wars, I'm like, how are you, why are you doing this? It's like I kind of understood the 3D releases. I'm like, okay, even though I didn't, yeah. but I'm like, all right, tied up in Fox, I get it. But here's something that's coming to you, pretty much completed in production. They're handing it to you on a silver platter. You stick it on Disney XD. You begin to get with the licensees that you have, your Lego, your Hasbro, and you start to make everybody money because you're using this the way they used it, these cartoons in the 80s, and you're basically using it as a giant toy commercial. Yeah. Then, as we approach the release of Episode 7, guess what you can do? You've got a built-in machine to get kids excited about this new Star Wars movie, to get their families excited about this new Star Wars movie, 
And guess who's getting airtime? Guess who? Guess who's putting it on air? And you're not paying for airtime over on your own channel. Yeah. To get the buzz going to get the hype started, it's like synergy to times twenty. Now, see, I I feel like in the next six months to a year, we're gonna the news will come out and and the information will leak that uh, that Cartoon Network had in their contract a right to first refusal right like it's something like that that if they aired and i think that's why we get the word bonus content used and not like it's going to be a tv show it's going to be a movie i think that warner brothers probably has a, a right of first refusal on on the next season and that's why disney is going like well we can't release this then because we're not about to to I, and they're cutting their own nose off to spite their face, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, everything that you said is is a hundred and ten percent correct. But for them, as a corporation and as shareholders and whatever, their largest competitor is Warner Brothers, and putting money in Warner Brothers coffers isn't something that they want to do, right? So I I think that that's what what's really going on there, and why the Clone Wars is being treated in the way that it is. I don't think that will ever get a confirmation from Disney or Lucasfilm that that's the case. If anything, somebody from Cartoon Network or Warner Brothers will leak that information and let the public know what happened with that. But Cartoon Network is also making all sorts of stupid decisions left, right, and center because of... I I don't even know what. I mean, I didn't like Young Justice. I wasn't into it. I, I I found that it was actually a really boring show. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever watched it, I never but did. it 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 like it had a huge following. It had a huge fan base. I don't know if that fan base is big enough to warrant it getting continuing seasons. But Green Lantern the animated series was amazing. Like what Batman the animated series did for Batman in the nineties the Green Lantern animated series, had it been handled better, could have done for the Green Lantern. Right. I, and I honestly feel that way because it was just such top-notch material. It was so well done. Had the movie not been handled so horribly and been such a disaster, I think that that series would have run for at least four or five <clears throat> seasons. Yeah, but right? I, I tell you what I get the sense of with Warner Brothers. One is the right hand never knows what the left hand's doing over there. Yes. And yeah, they're, they're too big. And then two, I, I feel like there may be, and this is me giving them the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. I feel like there may be the attitude of, um, well, we want to just step back and punt as it pertains to our superhero properties. Mm-hmm. Because if we do that, then we can... Uh, we can really start to hammer some things home because the success of the Batman animated series, as good as it was, and it was an incredible series, the reason people tuned in to watch was because of the success of the Batman movies at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they're looking and saying, you know what, it, it's time to stop riding on the coattails of something that happened, you know, uh, 16, 17 years ago and start, and start a new push not realizing they'd already done that you know what i'm saying i yeah yeah the cartoon industry as a whole has really kind of it, it it's it's confusing to me because they'll order 
where they used to order a bunch of episodes up front to go ahead yeah. and make syndication. Now they run two or three seasons. They don't worry about syndication, and then they relaunch, reset. Marvel, uh, the Avengers, um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Yeah. You know, now being turned into this Avengers Assemble show that, you know, is based more on the movies. Um, yeah. <clears throat> they did. They were doing the Spectacular Spider-Man, which was a great cartoon. Yeah. You know, and just dropped it now for this uh, Ultimate Spider-Man that they're doing, which, you know, ties into the the Marvel's Avengers Assemble or whatever. And, that, and the thing is, I guess what I'm saying is, it's like there's this new model that they're doing animation with that I guess works, but I don't know because, you know, I'm watching Tron Legacy and it's one of those shows that com- that was progressively getting better and better and better, not yeah. Legacy, Tron Uprising. And it was yeah. getting better and better and better and better. And they just canned it. because, And I understand that's because of ratings. Mm-hmm. But I also understand, like, what are you doing to really promote? And that's the thing. Disney, I'm looking at Disney, and it looks like they do things and like, this should be popular just because it's got the Disney name on it. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's not going to fly with your general public, your old GP, as you've said. Um, just because you you can't. Yeah. You know, you can't, with boys especially, you can't expect the Disney name to fly because boys associate that with, oh, I like that when I was a little kid. Or yeah. my sister likes that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just, I feel like they need to have a little bit more faith in their properties and that sort of thing. But the, Disney is is kind of, I don't know, infamous for for not having trust in things and sort of, you know, testing the water with a lot of stuff or relying on tried and true methods, right? Like uh, when they're having trouble, they always go back to the fairy tale. Well, right. Like they, they had great success early on in, in their animated history with the movies with doing fairy tales. And then they got away from it and they started doing other stuff. And then in the eighties, they were like, we need to get back to what was successful. And they come out with the little mermaid. Right. And that started a, a what people call a Dis- the Disney Renaissance. And they had the little mermaid and then Aladdin and Lion King and, and, uh, and sort of, they went back to the fairy tale thing. They got away from it again because they started they 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 do this they go they go okay let's go back to our roots let's do that and then they get progressively more and more adventurous and decide let's go edgier let's go more action oriented let's try and get the boys let's you know whatever it is and they get further and further away from it until you get to like treasure planet which was a piece of crap and then they disappear for a little bit and then they come back and they're uh, they they crappy movies in and out but they come back and they do tangled and now they're hardcore back into the fairy tale Mm -hmm. market right like they they have huge success with tangled so they immediately start work at disney world on building new fantasy land because they go we need to get back to what made us successful um and their new attitude of we can't create a boys market let's just buy a boys market right like let's just buy marvel Mm -hmm. and their superheroes let's just buy star wars and and their stories but you know it i don't know what they're doing it's it's so infuriating because what they're doing with marvel is great like i just read a, a thing yesterday that they're 
going to have Iron Man's Hall of Armor at Disneyland wow. starting April 3rd. So you can go to Disneyland and you can walk into Iron Man's Hall of Armor and take pictures with with the the different suits of armor from one Mark 1 to 7. And then there's a uh, an Iron Man experience where you go in and you get to through virtual reality like some Connect Xbox Connect type thing you get to see yourself in the armor and see yourself suit up and, and, you know, shoot repulsor blasts out of your hands and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that is, that's perfect synergy. Like that makes so much sense. And that's exactly why, you know, when I heard that Disney had purchased Marvel, I was like, this is the sort of thing that they should be doing now. Right. Mm -hmm. And you could see they, they had to wait a little while until they could start putting stuff in their theme parks because of the deal that that Marvel had with universal. Mm -hmm. But now that they're sort of getting into these areas where like Marvel studios is doing their own thing. And this isn't based on the comics. This is based on the movies. So it's kind of a gray area. So they can start putting stuff in the, in the theme parks. They're starting to do it. And it's like that. It's perfect. It's exactly what you want. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, And it, ties into the movie and like it'll it'll help them get kids all amped up and excited not that i think anybody needs to get amped up and excited any more than they already are for iron man 3 but you know it 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 just it works it it makes sense and then to see them doing what they're doing with star wars it for it, do, me, it doesn't it, make sense because there's not the the, the the stuff's not tied up. They've got a few licensing things tied up, sure, mm-hmm. but not to the extent that Marvel was tied up in all of these other things. I mean, good lord, they worked with Paramount on the release of uh, Thor: Two Avengers. Yeah, you know, and if you can do that, then and and I mean, I'm sorry, I it's the one thing that when we talked about it the night of the big reveal, the big announcement, or whatever. Yeah. It was said, I'm not concerned about the content of Star Wars. I'm concerned about the creativity now of Lucasfilm mm-hmm. and and the innovation factor that, that Lucasfilm has always had because Lucasfilm moved forward fearlessly yeah. with with the with the idea and and the concept of um of the Clone Wars, of everything they did. And um and and for the most part, successful. And now Disney's come in and I'm like, well, you know, we're a corporation. We can't afford to take these risks. When right now it's a low-risk situation to me. Yeah. And yeah. and I'm like, you're not taking a huge risk here. And if you want this boys market, here's how you get it immediately. And you stick with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And not only boys, but because of the character of Ahsoka, girls. You know, yeah. you're you're also moving your girls over in this this way. You've already got Star Wars down in your parks. You're already, you know, it's I don't know. It's so frustrating that everything that seems so obvious and apparent back in October is now like, why are you not doing what's obvious and apparent? And this idea of we're just going to move forward. You know, I tw- when I tweeted about it the other day, Brian Q. Miller tweeted back to me, and he was like, "Well, you know, you got to understand they want to move. They're looking ahead." Da da da. And I almost tweeted back to him. Two words, Stephanie Brown. <laughs> yeah, but I was because I and I because I like Brian and I you know and I'm like well it's kind of funny but at the same time I you know I also know it's kind of too much of a dig, and um because DC completely just said no, yeah you know and now the reason Oliver and Chloe are leaving I don't know, I'm sorry 
spoiler alert. I don't know if you've read Haunted yesterday yet. I, I haven't yet, but whatever. I'm sorry, but Oliver and Chloe are leaving. Okay. And the reason is because of Arrow. Okay. They don't want another yeah. Green Arrow character out there in the comics right now other than what's in DC Universe proper. Yeah. Um, and because their Arrow, did, they don't want to confuse her. It's like, how about this? How about if you have, if you got people tuning in that show and they come and read this other version of this character and they might dig it, you've just upped your sales. Yeah. You know, and I and that's the thing. It's like there's this weird mentality that as you get higher up into places and it like, and it chokes out all common sense of creators like Dan DiDio and Joe Casada, I mean, these guys, I remember when Joe Casada first took over Marvel Comics and just how awesome Marvel was for a span of a few years there. And the stuff he was doing and the stuff he was leading the company to, I'm like, Joe Casada gets it. Not anymore. Yeah. You know? Dan DiDio, he's not, he's not a chump. Dan DiDio is not someone who doesn't understand, you know, what creativity and comics are all about. But now... He gets in this position, it's like, well, apparently he's forgotten. Same thing with Jeff Johns. Yeah. Jeff Johns is really, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it, it, was, it wasn't it was unexpected. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of, I, I, don't, I don't lose any sleep over it. Not that I lose any sleep over any of comic stuff, but I, well, maybe the way that they're handling Superman in the new 52, a little bit. But <laughs> I, but you know, like it, with Jeff Johns, he he rose to such high heights so quickly with Green Lantern Rebirth and then uh, the Sinestro Corps and then the the War of Light that it was like, wow, he he's he's getting really high up there. He's going to fall eventually like it's, right, it's going right. to happen. Right. He's going to put his hand on the wrong rock and he's going to slip and fall. And then. Uh, the the White Lantern stuff happened, and it was like, oh, there he goes, and then you just watch, and Green Lantern comes out as a movie, and you're like, oh, we hit the ground. <laughs> well, you know, like, and I can't, I don't really fault Jeff so much for that, mm-hmm. as I do Warner Brothers and and whoever was in charge there the, for yeah. not getting him on sooner. I, well, I one thing is that you you bring him on as the consultant and then you i think with a lot of these sorts of situations you this is why marvel is doing well and this is why dc is doing poorly in my opinion dc brings people on and then they hamstring them and say yeah but you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this with marvel it's like they give john favreau iron man and he makes the risky at that point decision of bringing in robert downey jr Mm -hmm. to play iron man because you know most most studios would look at that and go oh he brings a lot of baggage with him right there's a there's a whole lot of stuff and we won't be able to get certain people in the theater because of his past and because of what he's done and and then john favreau has the the guts and and sort of the intelligence to say no that's exactly why we bring him in because that's the baggage that that we want Tony Stark to have. Right. We don't need to develop the character as much because people will automatically associate all of that stuff with Robert Downey Jr. on screen as Iron Man. The character's built in, and at this point, that the line between those the the character and the actor are so blurred 
that he goes to Comic-Con with the, the glove on his hand. <laughs> and it's like, the dude is Tony Stark yeah, when he's at yeah. Comic-Con, right? But DC doesn't have that faith in their characters or in their content creators. So they, they put people in a position where it's like, well, okay, so we're going to do this new 52 thing. So we're going to completely reboot everything. But here are all of the restrictions and limitations. And uh, even though we're considering this a reboot, for some things like Superman, it's going to be an absolutely 100% hard reboot. That character is no longer the same character. Mm -hmm. He's a different person completely, in my opinion. But like that, like it feels like that was an edict of like we need to make Superman more edgy, more hardcore. He has to have a bite to him. He can't be the wholesome apple pie Superman that he's always been, which right. is the stupidest decision they've made. Yep. But Batman gets to remain intact. Yeah, everything that Batman happened is happened. successful right now, right? right? And same with Green Lantern. Everything that happened in Green Lantern in the last ten years has happened. Yep. But somehow, like they want you, they they go okay. Well, the when the reboot happens, we're jumping into five years after Superman shows up. Mm-hmm. Superman shows up shortly after Batman shows up. Shortly after uh, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, everybody shows up. You know, within the span of a year, yep. and now all of a sudden there's all these superheroes. But there's five years between Action Comics number one and Superman number one yep. from from the new Fifty Two reboot, and somehow. In less time than that, Batman has shown up, learned the ropes, brought on Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson got tired of him and left, so he brings on Jason Todd. Jason Todd dies, so he brings on Tim Drake. Or Yeah, Tim wait, Drake. Wait, no, he doesn't bring on Tim Drake. Tim Drake just becomes Red Robin somehow for some reason, and nobody's quite sure why. And then there's Damien. And Batman Inc. happened. Did Batman die? Well, maybe. He could have. If you want him to have died and come back, that then fine. Okay, so then Dick Grayson was Batman for a time? Well, we're not going to acknowledge that. Well, I mean, they pretty much did. So, I, I've read... Um, mm-hmm. I read where uh, Damien was talking about him one time, about when, yeah. he, when he went out with Dick, how, you know... Okay, so like it's just like... Yeah. Because they put out... Um, I just picked up... Uh, Court of Owls, the first volume of Hey, uh, let me and from fifty two. Yeah, well, let me and, tell you something. <laughs> yeah, I, here's the thing, and here's and here's where I come down on that. It's like you want to leave all that stuff in Batman intact. That's fine with me. Yeah, you know because I picked up Court of Owls. Actually, I just got the issues digitally and started reading through. Mm-hmm. Blown away. That's that Snyder guy. Yeah, is yeah. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. If you haven't already, you need to check out Swamp Thing and Animal Man. Yeah. Because that is, of all of the things that happened at a new 52, that's the best stuff. And Scott oh, yeah? Snyder, Scott Snyder is writing Swamp Thing and Jeff Lemire is writing Animal Man. And they made those characters interesting again. And I don't think Swamp Thing's been interesting since, since Alan Moore wrote them. Yeah. And even then you go back and you try and read that stuff and it's it's like reading any Alan Moore. It's, right. It's it's homework. It's not right. <laughs> well. But, and then and then you take um, death of the family. Yeah, I I was blown away. It's good. See, like I'm excited to get into Batman because I've never really like I love Batman. Yeah. I think he's a great character. 
But a lot like with Spider-Man, I've never really read the comics. I mm-hmm. always just follow the character. Sure. Right? Um, not like Superman, where I'll read the comics. And, and I mean, right now I don't. Mm-hmm. But but Scott Snyder's moving over to Superman. So is he? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, him and I can't remember what the, the full creative team, but uh, they've got like a, a top notch artist moving over to Superman. Did and, you hear? Well, let me Scott ask you this: Snyder Do you listen to Fat Man on Batman? Yeah. Okay. See, that's what turned me on to Snyder, and I was just listening. He's like, I just wanted to write a good story. See, I haven't, I haven't listened to that episode yet because I knew right. that I wanted to read Court of Owls because read was read Court of Owls and then immediately listen yeah. because yeah. because Scott Snyder really came across to me as someone he's like he's constantly surprised he's got the gig. He's like, I, I just yeah. know I'm about to blow it. I know I'm about, you know, like, and he's yeah. like, but I don't want to just do. He's saying I don't want to do the same old thing, but it's not like I'm wanting to completely change everything. It's yeah. I want to take what's been given, and I want to challenge Batman in a way that he's never been challenged before. Yeah, and Court of well, Owls see, does that, and and that's what Jeff Johns has done for characters that I think is is his greatest asset to DC. But then they do the new 52 and they treat the movies in a similar fashion that they treated new 52. I, mm-hmm. uh, and, and for me, you really, you're, you're stopping him from being able to do what he does best because the reason why green lantern became so successful under his guidance is because he took decades of lore and he made it all make sense well see that's what i think jeff johns did better than anything else with any of the stuff he wrote is he (laughs) took a lot of stuff from like the silver age and the bronze age it was just silly and he made it work for the character and i was a big fan of jeff johns for the longest time and you know i still am and here's the thing i never by the way we've been recording the whole time for most of the time we've been talking i've never I've never been the guy who jumps down on a creator's throat and's like, "Oh, you screwed this up. You totally messed this up." Yeah. But with Jeff Johns, I just I'm like everyone started, you know, really tooting the guy's horn, and I think he's probably a perfectly nice guy. I think he mm-hmm. appreciates the position he's in. I think that he loves superheroes and loves the medium of comics. I don't I don't take that away from him at all. But I feel like that at some point he got kind of in his own headspace. And and I guess anytime you're creating, you got to do this. What is it that I want to see happen? You know, yeah. you know, you you you're you're now ultimately in charge of characters you've loved so long, you know. But um, but I feel like it got he ended up getting too much handed to him. Yeah. And and I think that whenever whenever that happens to anybody, I feel like you can't if he's got his attention focused in on one thing, then he's able to devote his attention to one thing. Yeah. But when he's having to kind of spread out and be all the stuff that he's being, it's like, okay, some things start to fall through the cracks and you start to lose some stuff. And then there's this idea of, do we want to be bound to continuity? Do we not want to be bound to continuity? And on one hand, Jeff Johns, he's, you can tell he's a continuity junkie. On the yeah. other hand, I, you know, he's falling down into this thing of, it's a lot harder to keep to this continuity than, than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And, if, and the reason continuity is a problem is not because of any stories that get told a lot of times. It's because of the events that happen in the comics nowadays. Yeah. And they're, and both companies for the longest time have been so event-driven that it ends up affecting big time what people perceive of their continuity. 
Yeah. And I really think that if you'll just tell good stories and just kind of make sure that you don't step on any toes that have come before you and you tell stories in this person's universe, you know, then team-ups will matter some yeah, again. You know, we live in a world now where, you know, it's nothing for Batman to show up in Superman. It's nothing for Superman to yeah. show up in Batman. And, and the Marvel Universe, good Lord, everybody's an Avenger. And that's, and that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. But, you know, stop making it just commonplace that these people are in each other's books. And write their stories, have their stories go go out, and the and the, the belief that has to be suspended along with everything else then is well why didn't they just why didn't the Fantastic Four just call in the rest of the Avengers to help out? Yeah. Well, the Avengers have their own stuff going on in their books, and that was always easy as a kid and as a reader for me to just kind of put yeah. it aside. But when you start these big universe changing, world changing events, you've got to shake things up, and suddenly your continuity really really matters. Mm-hmm. You know, the continuity of each character and the continuity of what's going on in the books. With um, with Marvel right now, they're doing an Age of Ultron thing. Yeah. And um, and I'm totally digging it, man. I'm into it. But I'm like, they have, you know, this is going to have to be something that's either happening in the future or something that can somehow be undone because all of New York is destroyed. All of, you know, the world has, has been taken over by Ultron. And yeah. so I've had to read it as though it's happening in another universe. But now yeah. it's starting to get... A couple of books are having crossover issues into it, and I'm like, so what does this mean then? You know, and and that kind of then took me out of it. I'm like, I was really enjoying this as a story that is either a possible future that mm-hmm. you know is going, or as just a story that's taking place on an on almost an else world kind of thing. But now you're crossing over your mm-hmm. your stories, and and it's kind of it's it's kind of wigging me out a little bit because when you read Age of Ultron, the Spider-Man who showed up to help was Peter Parker. Yeah. There was no doubt about it. But then they do Superior Spider-Man has a crossover, and it's like the Spider-Man they saved is, you know, Otto Octavius Spider-Man. And I'm like, oh. So, you know, so there's... And that's where continuity starts to be an issue. Yeah. You know, right there with those little things. It's like, so is it Peter Parker or is it this dude? Because he was he was Peter Parker. When yeah. they said because they saved him from being beaten up by a bunch of thugs uh, that had kidnapped him to trade him to Ultron, and I'm like, that was Peter Parker in that first issue, and now in this Superior Spider-Man crossover, it's Otto Octavius, and this makes no sense. And <laughs> well, you know, for me, my favorite part of a of a crossover event of like a, a an Infinite Crisis or or a Avengers versus X-Men. I'm just reading Avengers versus X-Men right now. I just picked up the trade yesterday. Oh, it's a good story. Yeah, I'm excited to read. I, I I kept on picking up issues and looking at them and like sort of peeking through because I don't care about spoilers so much, right? Like right. I, I care about it's not the destination, it's the journey, right? So whether or not, you know, the Phoenix Force embodies a whole bunch of characters and they all have new redesigns, I don't care if I see that in advance. Right. What I care about is what led up to that and what happens. But most important to me, or not necessarily most important, but I find my favorite parts of those stories are almost always the fallout issues afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, with uh, with the the World of New Krypton stuff, that was all awesome, and I loved it. But some of my favorite stuff was... was uh, the fallout afterwards and, and, uh, 
I mean, leading into that was was the Brainiac stuff where right. Jonathan Kent finally died yep. in the comics. Yep. And well, like, for the fifth or sixth time in the comics. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, so it's it's always it's those moments that you get a breather right after the crisis. Right. And that the characters take a second and you know they look inwards and everybody sort of separates and goes scatters to the wind. Uh, which I'm really excited for Iron Man three because that's what it is, right? Right. Like it is yeah, it's the fallout a, of the Avengers. Avengers was the crisis, and now Iron Man three is the is the movie that will handle what happens to a superhero after they've saved the world, right? And I, yeah. so the, the... all of the stuff of Iron Man being like he can't sleep, he's mm-hmm. constantly working, and I I love the angle that he's building like in. It's in the trailer, so I don't consider this a spoiler. Right. So I apologize if anybody does consider it a spoiler. But spoiler alert! Sp- spoiler alert! That he's building all the suits. Everybody's looking at that as like a sensational. Oh, they're going to sell action figures. It's going to be. I feel like it's a really important part of the story that people aren't acknowledging yet. That he's not building all these suits because it's a cool thing to do. He's building all of these suits because he has to. Yes. Right. Because he's losing it like tony stark like this is the closest thing i think in the movies that we're going to get to the demon in a bottle Mm -hmm. story Mm -hmm. this is his compulsive tendencies coming out this is him needing to control his world yep to the point that he has become iron man and to the point that he goes being iron man being a superhero is not enough i need an army Right. And and I mean, I think Mandarin's going to prove the point that he does need an army and that, you know, like that, that he's right. But at what cost? Right. And that's that's what the movie is really about. So I'm super excited for it for those reasons. And then on top of it, I mean, you know, half a hundred suit new suits right? Like this, <laughs> the one that they just revealed, the, the suborbital one that looks like essentially it's a space shuttle repaint of an iron man suit right, he's got right. the the gold mask like uh like an astronaut visor i just think that's genius and beautiful and awesome and if they ever do a hot toys of that i'll probably buy it regardless <laughs> of the price uh but that's the guy who just dropped 350 dollars for a statue of obi-wan kenobi right wow well i am i'm you know i'm looking forward to iron man 3 for such a different reason I am looking forward to Iron Man 3 for the coda after the <laughs> credits. That's what I'm just... Because that's where the story of Avengers 2 is going to start to be told. Uh, you know, see, I don't think it's... I think the coda for Avengers is going to be the first time that we find out that Iron Man's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy. Because oh, you mean the, co- the you mean the coda, you co- the coda for Iron Man... Three? For Iron Man three is gonna be is gonna be an introduction to a character from, from the Guardians. Guardians, because I think Iron Man's gonna be in that movie. Uh, whether whether or not now, do you base that on movie. the latest ev- issue of the Guardians of the Galaxy from issue number one of the new volume of Guardians of the Galaxy? I haven't read it yet, but the fact that he's being made a semi member of the team, I mm-hmm. guess, like he's a temporary member of the team, that to me it's like, and the reason and the like. It feels like that comic has been done and ready to go for a while. Right. And they've been holding it. And I think right now they're putting it out there so that it's in the ether. So people start to hear about Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. So that when the coda hits at the end of Iron Man 3 in a month, 
I mean, it's it's just it's less than five weeks away now. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that hits and people see it, they're going to be like, oh, that's that comic that I've been hearing about. They'll go to their comic book store. They'll pick up the first couple issues and they'll go. Iron Man is in Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't know that. And it's like, well, of course you didn't know that. He wasn't a part of the team until now, right? Like, this is new stuff. <laughs> Dude, but I was what... shocked. I saw, when I saw the cover, I was like, oh, they've got a futuristic Iron Man now. Yeah. And when it was actually, spoiler alert, when it's actually Tony Stark that shows up, yeah. I was I was shocked. I'm like, wow. And I didn't even think about making that connection. Um, yeah, I really, I, I really feel that they're going to do it because... Uh, Robert Downey Jr. has been talking a lot because his contract's almost done, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the movies that he was contracted for are almost finished, at which point they have to renegotiate. And he was asked, what are you going to do? And he his answer was essentially, it's not about the money at this point. It's about being Iron Man. Why would I stop? Hmm. Right? Like if I have to, if it's less money or the same amount of money or whatever, like who cares it's iron man right like and yeah. I, that's that is that that's from a person who has been through the ringer and come out the other side and is now one of the biggest stars in hollywood saying like i'm not looking the gift horse in the mouth if marvel wants to put me in more movies marvel can put me in more movies yeah i'll take whatever paycheck they're gonna give me well i don't believe I that wanna, I, I well yeah obviously he's he's gonna take a lot of money because marvel's not going to be stupid and offer him pennies right but but he's going to play the character he said until people are tired of him playing the character yeah. like there people are going to have to tell him to stop before he'll put an end to it he doesn't want it to get to that point he hopes it never gets to that point but if if that's what it comes to that's what it comes to because he he's in love with that character just like we are yeah so i think i think he'll play that character as long as it's interesting to him and I think I don't think that they've gone to the well so much that that character has lost the the ability to be interesting on screen. Yeah. Um, I I was never the biggest Iron Man fan in the comics, and I'm a Marvel kid from way back. Yeah. Um, and and so, but <clears throat> what they've done with him in each movie, because I liked Iron Man two. I liked what Iron Man two did. I liked yeah. what. Uh, I liked his his dilemma in Iron Man Two. I like well, you. You really turned me around on Iron Man Two because I got caught up with everybody else. This is why Geek Out Loud is a national. <laughs> it's an international treasure. It's an international a, treasure. It's a, it's a galactic treasure <laughs> to me because I I was with everybody else, right? Like I got caught up in the stupid internet junk of right. people going like nothing happened in iron man 2 it's just avengers the prequel and it's like okay yeah sure it is but it's marvel so everything is tied mm-hmm. that there it's a shared universe and that's one of the things that makes marvel fun so of course iron man 2 is gonna lead into that stuff just like captain america did right and just like thor did i mean the first time we saw hawkeye was in thor mm-hmm. and people just gloss over that i, I don't understand why iron man 2 gets the actually i shouldn't say that i do understand why iron man 2 gets the hate that it does because iron man 1 was so huge that but iron man iron man 1 iron man was a surprise yeah i don't think anybody including marvel studios maybe once they saw the finished product and maybe once they really you know figured out wow 
you know, somewhere, I feel like maybe somewhere along in the production, they realized we're going to shock the world with this. But I think the world was shocked with Iron Man. And, and you can't go to that well twice. You can't surprise people twice. You've got to be committed to a story at that point. The weaknesses of Iron Man 2 is that Marvel Studios, and at the time, I guess, Paramount, wanted to rush it into production rather than really giving the story time to breathe. With Marvel Studios knowing that they were pushing toward this Avengers thing and that Iron Man was going to be taking... Uh, a, a big role in all that that Tony Stark was going to have a big role in all that I think and, and I think that and I'm not sure when Whedon came on board mm-hmm. but I think Whedon you know for all the junk we give him on the show I think he is key in preventing uh, Avengers from becoming Iron Man 3 um, yeah. because in my mind had it been left to just about anyone else including maybe the studio in their mind I, I imagine it was probably Iron Man 3 yeah. Um yeah. And and but to me, if you watch the the development of that character, this is a guy who, who number one, we know demon in a bottle. If you know the character at all, you know he's an addictive personality. He's he's been given a second lease on life. He's done his thing for humanity. He stopped doing the weapons production and all. And now, as this thing's that has kept him alive is beginning to kill him, he reverts back into just who he is. He's he's not playing a character when he's out of that armor. He's not Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Bruce Wayne when he's not in the bat suit and he's out in public as Bruce Wayne doing his little public persona and all. That's a show. I yeah, I love Bruce Wayne when you get the moment of his reflection that like he's dying inside every time he has to do that. Right? Every when he has to in in Batman Begins when he tells everybody that, you know, the party is over right, and it's right. time to go. And then the one guy goes, the apple has fallen very far from the tree, right. Mr. Wayne, or whatever. Yeah. And you see the look on his face and you're like, it kills him yeah. to have to do that to his father's legacy, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's, that. but yeah, with Iron Man, with, with Tony Stark. It's what you see is what you get. Yeah, yeah. He's and, very, that's why, I, and that's why at the end of Iron Man 1, he goes ahead and says, okay, here's the truth, I'm Iron Man. Yeah, because yeah. he's not someone that the character, as he was written in that first movie, is not a person who's going to maintain secret identity the way Tony Stark for years and years in the comics did. At the end of Iron Man One, when he when he says "I am Iron Man," he's basically that's Tony Stark is written on that movie, mm-hmm. being Tony Stark. In the comics, for the longest time, he tried to maintain that secret identity, but the Tony Stark we're introduced to in the first Iron Man, isn't going to be concerned with the secret. He wants the world to know. Yeah. So the natural progression is when you hit Iron Man 2, this guy, this thing that he loves doing is killing him, but it's also the only way he can stay alive, but it's killing him. You know, the desperation of finding that element, and he's just kind of, he is dead. He is just nonchalant and uncaring until his mind starts to kick in with the whole idea of a new element. Yeah. And that's when he comes alive, and and I, you know, and I was just waiting for, and that's and I spend the whole movie just waiting for this moment of drop the charade and and start doing, you know, and not in a bad way, but like just yeah. knowing that there's danger around the corner. Very Superman two to me, yeah, in a way, yeah. because you've got this bad guy who's really out to get him, and he thinks it's handled. Meanwhile, the bad guy's getting ready to do some serious bad stuff. 
and just in time he comes back, you know, and he's able to to kick it, you know, and he's able to do the thing and uh, yeah. <laughs> and um in in the in the I'm sorry, the ending battle of Iron Man was one of the best we'd ever gotten at the end of a superhero movie. Mm. You know, with all the with all the drones and him and Rhodey you know, he and War Machine fighting, but War Machine being over, you know, overrun with that software for a little bit until they reboot him. Yeah. And um, and because and that's the one thing they always seem to not be able to get right with superhero movies to me is the final fight. Yeah. You know, is just yeah. is how do you make the climax work? And um, and so I do, I dig, I dig Iron Man too. I know, you know, like Derek doesn't. And I know there are a lot of people who don't. But to me, it's a natural bridge, and and that's the one thing I think Marvel has done, or one of the one one of the things that Marvel's done so well with these movies, is they've made it like a reading a comic book on screen. Yeah, you're in this universe; it's a connected universe. They know each other. You're building towards something. You get the coda after the credits, and you're finding out what you're building toward. I like your idea that we're going to see maybe that he's in Guardians of the Galaxy or get introduced to the Guardians somehow. Yeah, well, because there's the one, the one character. I, I this is, I have to do serious homework on Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy, and I might pick up the first issue, just to sort of right. start getting familiar with the characters because uh, Rocky Raccoon, Rocket Raccoon, yes. Rocky Raccoon, uh, Rocket Raccoon, and uh, uh, Groot. Oh, yeah, Groot are the two characters that like. Okay, I know them, right? Like, like I don't know them, but they're because there's not a lot to know. Rocket right. Raccoon is a raccoon that likes blowing stuff up and Groot is a Hulk-like tree that says one word. Groot so, like, Groot is a lot like an int. Okay. Um I mean really from from Lord yeah. of the Rings with you know he's not the the one word just because he only says the one word doesn't it's not an intelligence thing. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Chewie roaring. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um but yeah, I I need to get familiar with the other characters because I know that there is the one guy who's from Earth, mm-hmm. who's a who's an astronaut or something, or he's part of the space program. Well, here's kind here, of a, I I need to go or something. Yeah, I need to go back and and reread some of it because when I my first introduction with Guardians of the Galaxy is the, are the original Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. a team from the far distant future, made up of one guy who's kind of a Buck Rogers man out of time kind of yeah. dude from earth that if he he's in this full metal suit that if it ever rips he turns to dust because that's how old he is um <laughs> someone from jupiter a person from mercury a, a guy from venus um and they all have these different powers and they just go around you know they're guardians of the galaxy they're kind of like a futuristic avengers um yeah and they had their own series in the 90s for a little bit and then when they brought them back or they brought the guardians of the galaxy back uh, around after it wasn't Secret Invasion, but it was as a result of of one of the other. It was a smaller crossover they were doing that was getting really rave reviews that I never got a chance to read. Um, I I started reading it again and I was kind of disconnected because I'm like this isn't the Guardians of the Galaxy I know, mm-hmm. but then they brought in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy I knew and I'm like oh okay I see what they're doing here, <laughs> and um. And I was kind of on board for a little bit. Then I then I got out of comics due to money and just not being able to find them. But I'm telling you, digital comics have changed my life uh, <laughs> for the better. Um, but uh, but I'm told when they said they're doing a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I'm like, yes, yeah. I cannot. You know, cause it's so gutsy. 
You yeah. know, and they're so talking, and it's, it's going to be a one-off. They're talking about this isn't going to be. They're not looking at franchise building with this yeah. thing, and I love yeah. that. Um, it's Star Lord is the character. He's yes. the he's the the human guy and mm-hmm. played by Chris Pratt. So Chris Pratt, who is on uh Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. and when you see him on Parks and Rec, he's uh he, he's kind of a fat doofus kind of character. Like he like they play him as a as a goofball, right? So having him be a superhero is gonna be an interesting thing. Yeah. But I yeah. think he he used to be in wicked shape. Like he used to be kind of built and ripped. And I think that he's working on getting who does back Chris, to it. Now who, which one is he in parks and rec? He's, um, he's, uh, Andy. The, oh the, the yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't rat rat mouse or mouse. Right, rat right, right. Yeah. The, okay. The, yeah. The, yeah. 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 I, I, I know I've just lost a lot of television cred for saying which one is Chris <laughs> Pratt. But when you said, when you use the term fat, you got to understand. <laughs> I immediately went to Jerry. I'm like, that's not right. Yeah. I was like, that's I, not I, right. I <laughs> said it, and I went, and I went. Wait a second. No, that's not the right descriptor. He's but stocky. I, He's stocky. Yeah. I say that because he on Twitter for a while there was it, he was he was on his race to 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like he was intentionally putting on weight. I think for the show, right. like for that I'm on, show. I'm on my race to 300 pounds too, but it's backwards. It's going down from the other side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like because I think like he was going for a comedic thing on Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. But now, if it, I I don't know if that's confirmed that he is Star Lord. I feel like it's been said so many places that I, that it has been confirmed. But but I I, feel, I I'm pretty sure that he's on his his uh, his way back to to being. Uh, ripped and a, uh, a svelte a svelte 220 yeah yeah, yeah. and i uh, i think if anything i think the the coda um unless it ties into thor or uh or see i feel like thor America. is going to be a better place to tie in a guardians of the galaxy kind of thing yeah i expect a coda for iron man to really bring uh fury back into it or that and i could be wrong like you've t- that's a totally valid theory to me that that it could, because they've got to start building awareness, not with comic readers so much. Yeah, no, with with GP, but with, with yeah, GP. with the old with that old that <laughs> that old tricky GP. Yeah. Um, I feel you know, I because with me, I'm telling all my friends this is going to be so good, and I and even I wonder, I wonder if they can do it. Now, there's some of the casting that I've been kind of iffy about. Dave Bautista is going to be Drax, the Destroyer. And obviously he's just in it because well, is that he's 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 the uh, wrestler is yeah is yeah that... he was uh he was the guy on Smallville, um I, I, one of the first times we see the Martian Manhunter yeah he was that was the bad guy from the Phantom spines out. Yeah. yeah 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 I remember that. and he's a big dude I you know I'm yeah. not I can't really speak to his I uh, thought I thought. Jason Momoa was no, that was rumored, and and, but it's been confirmed that it's Batista. I would have much preferred Jason Momoa. Yeah, I I really like Jason Momoa, even though his Conan the Barbarian was an absolutely terrible movie. Yeah, I didn't see it. Is he that big though? I don't know if he's as big as 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 Batista. Well, see, the thing is though, is Drax the Destroyer is. He's the not Hulk-like size. in size, but he's big. 
I mean, you, you know, and that's and that and Drax. I've known, you know, Drax has been on my radar for the longest time. Yeah. So, um, because of Silver Surfer, my first introduction to Thanos was through Silver Surfer comics in the '90s, mm-hmm. and that led into the whole Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Crusade thing, and. So you start talking Marvel comics with me, and I'm like, I'm there, bud. I'm there. See, my my first introduction to almost every character other than Spider-Man and the X-Men, and the X-Men of the 90s, mm-hmm. I, my introduction to almost every character comes from a set of cards that I yes. got at a garage sale. <laughs> I, had, I had, like, from the, from the early 80s, like, a set of Marvel cards. Uh, from the early 80s set. or the early 90s? I... Maybe they're from the early '90s, but they feel like they're they're more '80s ish. I don't know of any Marvel uh, cards from the. I know the first set of Marvel cards that I'm aware of are from the early early '90s. Okay. Um, they've got a. They're really not. They're not that impressive to look at. I mean, the art is very much when you consider maybe, when you consider what came next for them. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got this weird little frame border around each one and. They're just kind of like white cards with a picture of a superhero yep, on yep, And then you yep. flip them over, and on the back it There's has essentially information. Their, mm-hmm. their file, right? Um, most of my knowledge of of Marvel Comics comes from those cards. My my first introduction to Doctor Strange, to uh, really the Fantastic Four and understanding who those characters were and, and that sort of thing. And uh, really, like I said, anybody other than Spider-Man and the X-Men that were in cartoons at the time. I uh, that that was my introduction to so many characters. So I I have this weird thing where people will bring up a character and I will be able to tell you what I know of that character's background and be pretty pretty accurate, yeah. you know, as of the the 90s uh at least. Um and I can't tell like uh, I I I've never read a comic with that character in it, right? Like it, it's 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 a weird thing, and and tracing it back to those cards, it's the only thing that I can think why my comics knowledge. It was that was like the a prototype comic book Wikipedia mm-hmm. for me of like just sitting there looking at characters, reading through their cards, and and finding out who people were. I mean, it, yeah, that that's that's where the majority of my knowledge comes from because those comics really kind of predate me for the most part but it with the except like dc is where is where that's different because as a kid i had my dad went to a garage sale and bought a box of comics and the person that he bought them from was obviously a dc collector because it was just full of superman and batman and world's finest and and you know action comics detective comics uh, Justice League stuff, and I used to just leaf through them. Like I, I was a kid, so I didn't actually read read them. Mm-hmm. But I would just like pop them open and like look for the cool stuff, uh, which was hard to find back in those days because there weren't splash pages yet. So right, that wasn't really a right. thing. But I, uh, but yeah, like that. So I don't know. My 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 knowledge base for comics comes from odd places. And I can tell you a lot about a lot of different characters. And you bring like when they went Guardians of the Galaxy, I instantly knew who the like like I knew the name. And you say Rocket Raccoon, and I know the character. Right. But I've never ever in my life read a comic with Rocket Raccoon. Well, in see, it. and that's what's funny to me when I saw they were bringing Rocket Raccoon into Guardians a few years back when it when they were doing the 
the yeah. launch of this new version or whatever, and I saw Rocket Raccoon was in it, that blew me away because the first comic I ever owned that I remember ever owning and keeping was an issue of The Incredible Hulk, and on it, it's a white background, it's the Hulk standing there, and he's holding a little panel, and Rocket Raccoon is jumping out, and it's from like 1980, early 80s, or late 70s. It's like Hulk 271 or 272, and um, <clears throat> and I just, I'm like, wow. They're re- and then you read Rocket Raccoon in those books, and he's just this tough little scrapper, you know, and I'm just like, this mm-hmm. is a trip. So um, I, d- I don't know. Like, and that's to me, that's the X factor. But it's also it's like Marvel Studios has built up the the ability to take a what is really to me a risk like that. Yeah. Because that's going to be a hard sell with people to get them to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. There are a lot of people who go see Avengers who are like, well, I'm not really into space stuff. I'm not really into the science fiction. Mm-hmm. And so they'll, they, you know, so they might stay away from it, but. You know, for and I guess it goes back to what we started talking about. You know, for Disney to say, "All right, you take this, go ahead, take this chance," but with, but to have something that is, you know, there's no chance being taken. You've got a a, a series that's been strong. It's it's been critically acclaimed. It's had good ratings. Here it it's is not, on a silver it's platter. It's not just strong. It, this is my whole thing for the for the letter writing campaign and these people with their save the clone Wars stuff and i i don't want to be the wet blanket and i know this is the safe place to geek (laughs) out and i understand people need to get that out but i almost feel like like everybody's dad uh, going like look guys i know you're really you're really hurt by this and it really it's terrible and and nobody's happy about it but the reality of the situation is this is not Jericho this is not Firefly this is not Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles this is not a show that had poor ratings and never found its audience but had it found its audience it would have right been more well received this is the the highest rated show on Cartoon Network Mm -hmm. this is the highest rated show in its demographic for five years okay this is part of the greatest film franchise in the history of man that that i mean i don't know when it's going to get toppled because i don't think it ever will i mean especially now that they're just going to make more star wars movies although that could be the death nail who knows Mm -hmm. but you know like at as it stands right now the clone wars of all of the shows that have been canceled this year there is no reason to cancel it other than the reasons that you can that 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 we've talked about they disney doesn't want it connecting to episode one two and three they don't want it confusing people about where star wars is at and where the continuity is at and all that sort of thing uh and they want to they want to start fresh and start promoting post episode six content that that is the only logical justifiable decision-making process that you can come up with for why the show has been canceled. It has nothing to do with ratings. It has nothing to do with the sale of toys. It has nothing to do with cereal box (laughs) tie-ins or any of that stuff. The comics do well, like everything Mm -hmm. related to Clone Wars. uh, Those, those Lego sets are some of the best Lego sets out there. Right. And people love them. People love this show. 
our letters and our opinions are not really going to change that decision. And I, and to be perfectly honest, like the, the ball is rolling and Indiana Jones is about to be crushed by it. Like it's too late. It's in motion. Everything's happening. I, what we can do is we can ensure that the content that we will get will be given to us in the best format possible. And I think that that, that right now is the best that we can hope for as Star Wars fans is that this stuff that's left will be worked in, in a reasonable fashion and won't just be sort of tossed out for people who care to mm -hmm. consume it. it. It needs to be treated with respect. For me, what that means is you take the arcs that are done and you release them as Blu-rays and and then that's the end of it. And, yeah. and if that's the end of the Clone Wars, that's the end of the Clone Wars. If we never get closure on Ahsoka's story, that's what the expanded universe is yeah, for. I'm... And to be perfectly honest, it, no closure on that character means that in the future we can do whatever we want with her. So uh, <sighs> I, th I think they were talking on, on the Force cast at one point that, you know, it would be cool. I, th I think Jimmy Mack might have said it to when he was talking to James Arnold Taylor, that someday down the road, some kid, some young girl who grew up watching the Clone Wars every Saturday morning for five, or Friday night slash Saturday mm -hmm. morning for five years, is so attached to that character that in 15, 20 years, even 30 or 40, when she's old enough to be making movies and producing stuff or whatever, that she goes, you know what story I always wanted closure to? The story Ahsoka. of Ahsoka. Yeah. And then they go back and they tell the story. Yeah. And, and future, I mean, and, right? the, like, and I totally that, get that. I totally understand that. I just, I get so frustrated with the studio mentality, especially when you're being handed something on a silver platter. Yeah. And I understand winding down to to prepare for post episode set for, uh, post episode 6 content. Yeah. But unless you've got something in the chamber right now, yeah. Uh then guess what? We're about to go through a period of time where to the to the old general public that we've mentioned several times, there's going to be nothing to consume. Yeah. Um and and I know it's only a couple of years, but still there'll be nothing to consume. In my mind, just from the creative side of things, and Disney has always prided itself on being a little bit creative. Uh, you know, in Lucasfilm, of course, is creative. You know, I, I just, I, I would like to know behind the scenes, was there any fighting for this? Mm -hmm. You know, I'd like to know, did Kathleen Kennedy sit down with Bob Iger and be like, you're making a huge mistake? Um, See, now, like, I am, I am firmly of the opinion that Kathleen Kennedy made this decision and took it to Bob Iger more than anything. Uh, and and I think that's an unpopular opinion because people want to have faith that Kathleen is treating Star Wars with the same respect that George did. Right. But I mean, I she is also she is a a very savvy business person. That's why she's a great producer. She allows the creatives the the room to do what they do. But she also sees the marketing and the the opportunities and all of that sort of thing. And when you listen to those interviews that they released back in, in October through December, I, what I get from that 
is that she's looking a lot right now at the business side of it and how do they maximize their earning potential and that sort of stuff. And to be be perfectly honest, I, I'm of the opinion that she looks at a TV show that has nothing to do with the direction that they're moving and goes, okay, we need to move away from this as quickly as possible. What is the logical transition? And I think from a business standpoint, ending this season, you know, and not moving forward with Cartoon Network uh, it, and not moving stations and having to run a promotional campaign and sink money into that in order to get people from Cartoon Network over to to Disney XD. Uh, I think from Lucasfilm's standpoint, the resources that they have right now need to be allocated towards Episode 7 and all of the things that have to happen there. Uh, I think one of the reasons why we've seen uh, Star Wars 1313 go dark, it, the last four episodes of, of The Clone Wars that aired on Cartoon Network are clear evidence that 1313 was supposed to take place between Episode 3 and Episode 4. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also clear evidence that Ahsoka was intended to show up in that game. Ahsoka uh, or maybe even Asajj? Uh, I think Asajj for sure. Like, I think Asajj Ventress is a character that's going to float around in the expanded universe in mm-hmm. perpetuity. Uh, that She was intended for the Clone Wars, but has kind of gone on to a life of her own, especially with Clone Wars. Has just become one of the best characters of that era, in my opinion. With the way that Dave Filoni. Oh, they they took that, that they took they took someone who I could have cared less about for the yep. longest time, yep. and and completely made turned me around on that character. Yeah, but I I really feel that that thirteen thirteen, having made its appearance in in the Clone Wars and uh, essentially being set up in the Clone Wars for what kind of an environment that is, uh, and then Ahsoka going off to do her own thing, I. Uh, I feel like they were setting that up. I think the reason why it's gone dark and we haven't heard anything about it is because they've gone to LucasArts and said, can you guys pull out everything that makes this between episode three and four and make it between episodes six and seven? Like, can we, can we figure that out? See, I disagree based on what they've done with the Clone Wars and everything else. I think they've just gone LucasArts and been like, we're canning this right now. Hold what you got. And we'll come back to it in a few years. Yeah. That's, same, same thing with detours. That's possible. I I mean, detours is such a, that of all of the mistakes that they've made, I, to me is, is one of the biggest because detours, I get that they don't want to confuse people with <laughs> these are these are the characters from the original trilogy and those characters may be appearing in episode seven eight and nine so we don't want to muddy the water with them being in two separate incarnations at the same time for me it's like first of all gp isn't that stupid right okay like they are they are actually very intelligent particularly the people i mean i shouldn't say that particularly the people who watch the satirical shows like robot chicken and family guy but those the people who are tuning into something that seth green is producing are people who know geekdom and are tuned into that Right. So they're going to they know that it's a satire. They know that it's a joke. I mean, when the Millennium Falcons cockpit pops open like it does on the Hasbro toy, <laughs> you know, it's silly. Yeah. You know, yeah. that this is just yeah. for laughs. 
and that these are not the this is not continuity these are not the actual characters this did not happen these are well, when mad you have when you have vader when you have vader and palpatine sitting in dex's diner ordering mm-hmm. and it's like we can't get any service around here and they do that it, yeah it's not it's meant to be funny and yeah. and i'm i'm glad that you finally said this of all the mistakes they've made because you're really taking up for them and I, <laughs> I and I just can't that I'm okay with the decisions that they're making I'm not I want more Clone Wars I I I feel like Clone Wars needs needed to end in season six I was saying that after celebration six right Mm -hmm. like like I, I I've been talking about Clone Wars needing to wrap itself up because I don't want it to over I didn't want it to overstay its welcome and I didn't want them to to fall into what happens. Look, season five is the make it or break it point for almost every long running TV series. Uh, a season six is a hard thing to do mm-hmm. without starting to run dry on ideas or go back to the well and, you know, retread something. I know I don't think that's what would have happened with the clone wars, but I do think that a season seven or an eight would have gotten to that point. And would have started to get to where we're like, okay, cool, we get it. Can can we transition into episode three? At what point are you going to get to that stuff, right? And I felt from the community, uh, being very tuned into that specific niche of the Star Wars community, that that's where we were getting to. That people were getting to the point of like... Well, we have the phase two armor. Well, when this season we got the 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 Ada two Jedi starfighters, right? Uh, from Revenge of the Sith. So, and and the character models have moved towards the Revenge of the Sith character models, and the story is moving in a darker direction. So, we're getting there. Can we start to see some more concrete stuff? And I honestly believe that season six would have been the last season, regardless. Um, the fact that James Arnold Taylor and the rest of the the voice cast have been very hush hush on whether or not they were recording more stuff. I mean, James Arnold Taylor is the kind of guy who, if he's going in to record Johnny Test on Monday, he'll post it on his right, Facebook right. feed on Monday morning and say, "Go in and record Johnny Test." And he did the same thing with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And when he stopped referring to it, stopped saying anything, and you'd get like every like four to six weeks you get like oh i'm i'm hopping on to do some star wars recording it's like oh he's doing some pickup dialogue for a changed scene right like he's not recording new episodes because if he was it would be like can't wait to see matt and and ashley and everybody as i head to go record more star wars it was more of like i'm in my home studio doing pickup dialogue Mm -hmm. right and and that sense and the way that they treated it at Star Wars Celebration, sort of like, yeah, we've got season six coming. Whereas at Star Wars at C five, it was like, we are working so far ahead of you guys, it's not even funny. Like, right. like we're talking about season. What at that point? What was it going into season three? They were going into season uh, three at that point. Yeah. yeah, like oh, we're talking about season three episodes, but we're on season five. Like yeah. what we just recorded was way, way down the pipe. Um, and when they didn't talk like that at Star Wars Celebration Six, they were kind of just like, oh yeah, we worked on these episodes a long time ago. It's like oh, is that the end of the sentence? 
You, right, you're not, right, you're right. Not working on new stuff right now, though. Like that to me was making me go, okay, so season six is it then? Like mm-hmm. we're we're wrapping things up. Um, and when Dave started talking about doing another movie mm-hmm. at C five, he was like, I don't have time for that. That's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. Just be happy with what you've got. We're trying to make the show right. more cinematic. But then at C six, he was a little bit more like, I could see doing another movie. I, yeah. I could see doing another one. And it well, was like. But okay, I so also, they're getting ready to wrap things up. Yeah, but I also think that kind of comes down to the, the nature of the beast and the way it changes, and they've done those those theatrical premieres and everything and seen how well those worked. Yeah. But I think that he was at a point where he was like, yeah, I could see us doing this. Um, I also think that you, you get to a place where... <clears throat> my thing is not that the Clone Wars... I knew the Clone Wars had to end. It's just like Smallville. I knew Smallville had to end. It my the question was always is it going to end satisfyingly? You know, is it is it going to end in a way that yeah. leaves me satisfied with the way it ended? The yeah. answer that I got from Smallville was yes we are. You yes. know, and there was some there was some there was some doubt in there every now and again, you know. <laughs> there was some there was some wondering, but at the end of the day they did. If Season five, the season finale was the series finale. Then guess what? The answer from Clone Wars is no, it did not. And yeah. you know what? You could have never visited the character of Ahsoka again in the Clone Wars. Um, I feel like they wrapped her story up in such a way that they do leave it open. I yeah. I maintain Age Tegruden named Ahsoka in Episode seven, or is she a Bith? Yeah. What's a Bith? <laughs> um, <laughs> callback. So. Uh, but um, but I maintain that we could see that. And listen, I I say that half jokingly, which means yeah. I could be right. <laughs> well, <laughs> if seven, eight, nine drop the mic is any evidence of your uh, prophetic abilities, right? Right. I, I mean, <laughs> I told the Blantons, I was like, I don't want to say I'm a prophet. <laughs> but you know, maybe but I am and don't but know you're it. A prophet. Maybe yeah, I am yeah. and don't know it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah. I think, I think it would be one of the greatest ironies and, and, uh, and, and jokes that God could ever play to make you prophetic, but only in terms of Star Wars. That would be, that'd be a hilarious. <laughs> well, I said back in, uh, I guess it was, I was on the Star Wars reporter with you guys over at, uh, at Frontlines. Um, I guess it was a Star Wars report cause you never really had me on Frontlines that much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where uh, they were, it was the end of season four, maybe. Um, and and I said, or maybe even season three. Now, I guess it would have been season four because that's when we really got to see Maul in earnest. And I said, it wouldn't surprise me if Maul ends up hooking up with the Mandalorians, and that just makes me crazy to even think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then then we're <laughs> sitting there at Star Wars Celebration six, and it's like, oh. Well, there's Maul with the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think you might have a have a special skill there. Uh, uh, it's I think it's also just uh, the the ingesting and digesting of as much Star Wars as as people like you and I right to, right to do that because because I. I, I haven't gotten anybody from Frontlines, anybody, any of our listeners, to go back and verify this for me. But I'm pretty sure that I said Ahsoka and Asajj were going to 
hook up at some point the second we saw uh, any hint about Ahsoka sort of remember at C6 we started to see a little bit of the the Ahsoka's kind of questioning things Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. Um, the second we saw that I was like okay Ahsoka and Asajj are going to end up in the same place right that's 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 what's going to happen is that I I Ahsoka coming from the dark side and meeting somewhere in the middle and and Ahsoka coming from the light side and meeting somewhere in the middle. Right. That those two characters were going to sync up and that that was going to be uh, one of those things that Dave Filoni was going to do to us that that nobody was expecting. Mm-hmm. And I kind of made that prediction and then lo and mm. behold, it happened. There it is. To, to the point where uh, there's even a line of dialogue where Ahsoka goes, I never saw us doing anything together ever. Right. And it was right. like, it was like, there it is. Like that's, that is what I said. But I said, you know, the two least likely characters to ever have a team up are being moved in position into position to team up. I, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I think it's just a matter of watching as much Star Wars. Well, and, yeah, and two, I feel like you know, I feel like the the Star Wars God smile on me because I did, you know, my cousin was on the last episode and he was talking about, you know, and it's something I've never really thought about myself. He's like, you're never ironic when you love something. You're you're just you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, that's true, and it's, it's not the the word for it is effusive. I learned that word. That means hmm. that means to be enthusiastic or happy or or excited about something without yeah. any hint of sarcasm or irony. Well, because like just from a completely sincere and genuine place. Because I'm telling you something, the Phantom Menace. I'm effusive about. <laughs> I really am, and yeah. and you know all of all of Star Wars, anything that Lucas has ever done with Star Wars, I've been generally, genuinely excited and happy about. Now I have. I have been very open about the flaws that I feel like they have, if the, if I feel like there are any. Um, but but I'm always, and so I feel like the Star Wars gods have smiled on me because of that, and they're like, "Well, we'll give you this one," we'll give, <laughs> you know. Um, and and so and it and it is, it's it's a thing where when Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, stopped, I hated to see it that show end the way it did. Um, but I, yeah. I honestly didn't care that it was going away, even though I was doing a doing a podcast about it. Um, <laughs> that that podcast was literally, uh, and Derek will kill me for saying this, but for me, um, as much as and I did truly, truly, truly enjoy the show, but for me, it became a okay. This is just another way to get our name out there, get Geek Out Loud out there, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, m- more than anything else. Uh, that's that's what that show was for me. So when that show ended, it was almost a relief because we were doing five podcasts at the time, I think. Um, and when Smallville ended, I hated to see it go, but I hated to see it go for all the right reasons. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. it it's it, it was like I said, it was a satisfying conclusion to a show that I had genuinely loved for ten years. Um, and. And and now with Clone Wars and and it being and Star Wars being something so near and dear to my heart and and Disney just since they've given us the announcement they've taken away it seems so much and they haven't given us anything other than Episode Seven with J.J. J. Abrams right. because 
I and and Michael aren't. I mean, let, let's be honest. That's the a, creative that's a, team. That's a win. Yeah, yeah, I think the creative team is a win, but I don't feel like it's enough win to take away. And again, and I understand there's probably some things with Fox as far as the distribution mm-hmm. goes for the 3D releases and that sort of thing. But I I still feel like, and I know Fox is probably harder to work with than Paramount, from what I understand. Um, now the, this is the weird thing is that they uh, oh no I guess that was Sony. They were they were doing well with Sony mm-hmm. uh, with with uh, the Amazing Spider-Man right uh, because Oscorp Tower and Stark Tower were supposed to appear in each other's movies right uh, so the Oscorp was supposed to be in Avengers in mm-hmm. the in the Battle of Manhattan you're supposed to see the building at some yeah. point to make like a cameo if a building can make a cameo. Oh sure though, but if that if that had happened, that'd been awesome. Yeah. I think you know, and vice versa for for Stark uh, Tower and, and Spider Stark Tower and Spider Man. It was supposed to be like uh, under construction or something because they were gonna try and establish that Amazing Spider Man happens before Avengers because mm-hmm. if it happened after Avengers, then the city would have been half in ruins. Right, right? but um, and I, I I see I see what they're doing with Spider Man with uh, Amazing Spider Man too. Which I really hope they don't call Amazing Spider-Man 2. I hope they end up pulling a switch at Comic-Con and being like, so the first one was Amazing Spider-Man, and this one's going to be called Spectacular Spider-Man, and then the third one will be called Web of Spider-Man or something like that. To me, if um, it's going to be a trilogy and you've got the second act, the second act needs to be the Web of Spider-Man. Does it? Okay. Because the Web of Spider-Man comic was always about the problems that Peter had. You know, It was supposed to be about the problems that Peter mm-hmm. had based on being Spider-Man. That was always kind of the focus of it. Um but yeah, the, I, but the to direction me, they're to, moving that but, character, uh, the the new suit uh, especially, makes me go, okay, Sony and Marvel are working together mm-hmm. to try and get these worlds a little bit more in sync with yeah. one another. Yeah. So that I and I think that's in Sony's best interest, so that Sony can say, if we play ball, can we keep the character? Like, will you guys? renegotiate the contract when right. it comes up as opposed to the way that Fox deals with the X-Men where they go, we have the contract and we're not going to let you touch anything that's in this contract. And if you touch anything from the fantastic four, we will get mad. Well, and listen, if you touch anything from the X-Men, we'll, we'll throw yeah. a hissy fit. Dude, right? Disney, Disney was doing something. Disney and Marvel were doing something that I've never heard of before in my life. They were basically saying, we'll let you keep the rights to the daredevil movie so yeah. that you can make that happen. If you give us Silver Surfer, yeah, they were doing a baseball trade <laughs> with characters, yeah. and and yeah. and Fox said, "No, we'll let the rights revert back to you for Daredevil." Yeah, and I'm just like, well, I think that that was a that was a game of chicken, uh, and uh, and I think that they went, mm, "Do we give them Silver Surfer because they clearly want to do something with them, or do we give them?" what is considered in Hollywood the albatross of Daredevil. Now, I think Daredevil's an incredibly fascinating character and that there is a wicked movie Listen, just waiting to be hey, made. Hey, if I'm but, Marvel at this point, I go to the folks who are making Spider-Man and be like, guess who fits into this universe? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And and the thing is, though, to me, if you're Fox and, and you're working with Marvel, it's like, don't be biting the hand that feeds you. Yeah. Because if you get too jerkish about things guess what they'll come around and do because you're i don't want to say you're screwing up wolverine i I liked wolverine origins okay uh or x-men origins wolverine okay i've seen some people kind of gripe about the new trailer or whatever um i'm like okay it's a wolverine story you know just wolverine's never been like my favorite like he is everyone else but 
I can guarantee you that what Fox has done with the X-Men has just been kind of out there. And I appreciate what Singer's wanting to do with his Days of Future Past and all this stuff. But I just look and I'm like, you guys are messing up. You're not, you're missing the opportunity to come over here and jump on a bandwagon where there's a lot more money to be made. But because you are so protective of your own, and this is, and again, it's this thing where, and I understand why it's there, and I understand, you know, why they want to be protective of their own little brand and everything. I just feel like they're making a mistake. And quite frankly, I liked the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck. So did I. I I loved it when I saw it. And the director's cut is that much better. See, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to watch the theatrical cut again. When I watched the director's cut, with the exception of the um, the the lawyer stuff being mm-hmm. added back in, I didn't. I felt like the movie slowed down a little bit. I didn't. Well, like it, it did it slow down, more. but it helped. It helped kind of pan out mm-hmm. how he how people found out the kingpin was the kingpin. You know how yeah. Fisk was, and it and it really helped kind of tie up a few loose ends. It made it more of a bit of a crime drama. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and I think I, I like the director's cut. I like the theatrical. I walked out of the theater having liked the theatrical cut, bought yeah, the DVD yeah. because I liked it. You know, um, if I don't like something, I don't consume it after I've seen it once. I don't go buy it just to have a superhero DVD on my shelf. I don't have a ghost, a copy of Ghost Rider here. I don't have a copy <laughs> of Elektra. You know, um, and and the thing is. I really feel like that Disney could take this Daredevil thing. Marvel could take Marvel Studios mm-hmm. could take Daredevil and do a jam up movie. They've shown that they're going to put creators and actors in places that make things work. Yeah. And and so and again, I would turn around and look at Sony and be like, "You really want to stick it to them? Here's Daredevil." <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Have I uh, have J Jonah Jameson put Spider Man on trial and uh, and Matt Murdock Matt Murdock show and- up. And represent him, right? Or just, uh, or just have Daredevil show up in a movie, or Matt Murdock show yeah. the character show up somehow randomly, you know, do a coda with him. Yeah, you know, we, you know, because to me, Kingpin will always be a Spider-Man villain. As much as he's a Daredevil villain, I, you know, I always associated Kingpin with Spider-Man. Yeah, um, because that's where I was introduced to him was in the pages of Spider-Man, uh, and and to me, if you bring that character in in a Spider-Man situation. You've got a you've got a natural team up happening, you know, where you don't necessarily have to make a Daredevil movie. You can do it almost like you do an old school backdoor pilot on TV, where you just have them come in mm-hmm. in the spinoff movie. Yeah. Um, um, for me, with Daredevil, I I always like him best when I feel like he's the character running around in the Marvel universe, looking out for the little guy, mm-hmm. and it's that's sort of the 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 jokey way to to refer to it because he is a. a public defender lawyer right? right so he is he is literally looking out for the little guy but as a superhero i feel like he's he's at his best when he's not going up against super villains uh super villains can make appearances in those stories but that when he's out there just sort of being the superhero that takes care of everybody else and their problems while Iron Man and Captain America are fighting Thanos, right? Like Mm -hmm. everybody else has these huge grandiose things like the red skull and Mandarin and, and crazy uh, supervillains to deal with daredevil, much like Spider-Man for me is is a character who goes, what about everybody else? Like I got to deal with this person being mugged in, in, uh, uh, what, what's his area? Hell's Kitchen. Uh, you know, like, and sort of dealing on that level where he's a, a little bit more of a, 
Um, and I don't want to say because I I think the character is great enough to fight all sorts of supervillains, but when he's working as a as a street level superhero right, as opposed right, to right. a galactic sure, level superhero, sure. so. Well, <coughs> excuse me. That's you know that's kind of that's to me though that's Daredevil and Spider Man, and those two mm-hmm. in comics to me have always been a natural team up. Yeah. They they took Daredevil, Casada, and some other folks really took Daredevil to some dark places that just. It got real convoluted to me. Him not convoluted, but just just messy, just too messy yeah. in his yeah. life for me. But um, but he's he's a character that I couldn't believe that Fox wouldn't stick with it. Though. I couldn't believe that it, you know they weren't asking for money. They weren't asking to to, to yeah. You know, it's just weird. It's like we'll give you this. We'll re up this this uh, this option yeah. for you. And no, we're good. And I and on one hand, I understand that because apparently they think Silver Surfer is the way to go. But on the other hand. I don't think Silver Surfer is ever going to carry his own movie. No, you know, but you throw him in the Guardians of the Galaxy, or you throw him in as someone who shows up to help the Avengers against Thanos. Yeah, shoot, you know. So, yeah. well, <clears throat> Cohen, um, we've talked about nothing that we planned on talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And and I have a baseball game I have to get to. Um, so Frontlines, what are you going to do with Frontlines now? I uh, we are kind of in a holding pattern at mm-hmm. the moment. I uh, w- obviously there's more content to come out, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that ends up being. And uh, as uh, the the problem right now is that no news has really surfaced. Right. As soon as we get some news on what's going to happen with that stuff, and and I'm very strict on what I consider news. Sure, uh, sure. If it's just somebody talking, you know, uh, not uh, rumors, rumor mind you, or a, right. Yeah, an inside source that they have. I don't really feel like that deserves a full episode. But once somebody officially tied to Lucasfilm or the production of The Clone Wars says something, uh, we'll do an episode. We'll talk about it. We'll let everybody know what the situation is. Uh, and and they hinted at that. Well, they didn't really hint. They, they said that they're working on developing. <laughs> they're working on developing. That's not me. Mm-hmm being uh, unsure of terms they are working on developing a new star wars series in an era that has been untouched by movies and tv so right when that hits yeah uh, frontlines will be back in in full force okay. but uh but until then i think we'll probably we'll probably just kind of coast a little while, uh, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because we, we really hit our stride around Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. And, uh, and we were ready to run out season five and season six and, uh, and, and enjoy that along with all of our listeners and all of our new listeners. But um, it all depends on how things are handled. Sure. Uh, and, and I'm really in a position... I mean, we always take a break. We always take a break after the season mm-hmm. uh, ends. The season ended a little bit short this year, but uh, but we will be coming back with uh, more Google Hangouts, which has been something that we've started doing, and more podcast episodes, uh, just once we have something to talk about. So sure, once we sure. know what's going on, and then when they start releasing content, we will uh, we'll cover that content the same that we did the show. So... So, uh, yeah, CloneWarsPodcast.com. And we cover a lot more over there now than just the Clone Wars. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, Kyle and Tim are doing Star Wars: The Saga Continues, which is a little bit focused on the on the sequel trilogy. Yeah, but just kind of Star Wars in general. You mean oh, and, Kyle uh, Baca? Yeah, Kyle Baca. Okay. Uh, and I, uh, and the site as a as a whole, like we post news about Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. So so just if anything about Star Wars comes out that's newsworthy, we, we'll post it over there. Um, so the site's still a great resource. Our, our Facebook group is still awesome and our Facebook page is great. So, so you can find links to all that at clonewarspodcast.com. But my real focus right now. Uh huh. Here we go. This was the next thing I was going to ask you about. Yeah. Yeah. Quiver, the green arrow podcast. We are, uh, for anybody who's not watching arrow, uh, that show continues to get better and better. Uh, it's sort of, it's, it's a situation of, of uh, getting to stand on the shoulders of Smallville and then kind of take off from there. Uh, and that could have been a, a huge misstep or a great asset. And uh, the team over at Arrow on the CW has turned that into uh, the best asset that they possibly could have because that show just keeps on getting better. Uh, and uh, and so uh, quiverpodcast.com is the home of that podcast. You can find it on iTunes. Uh, and uh, uh, Amanda and I, we just, we sort of, it's almost like a commentary because Amanda actually lives in Vancouver. So she comes over to my house. We watch the show. Uh, we'll watch it, watch it. And then we'll watch it again. Uh, <laughs> and as we watch it the second time, we'll give our thoughts and sort okay. of do it. it. It's, it's, it's essentially a running commentary. All right. Uh, as we watch the show. And then we also have news and we, I just uh, today, as of recording this, I just launched the uh, the Facebook group for for Quiver. So uh, and people are just excited and flocking to it, and discussions are already popping up all over the place. So awesome. it's been really cool to uh, to to do a new podcast and to have it take off as quickly as it has. I Frontlines was good in the beginning, but it was a bit of a slow burn up until the last couple of years. Quiver has just like it's just taken off. It, it's really cool to see it do as well as it is. So, for anybody who's not watching Arrow and not listening to Quiver, I highly recommend both. Awesome. Arrowpodcast.com. <laughs> yes. All right. Arrow, uh, no, Quiverpodcast. Quiverpodcast.com. I've been saying it yeah. the wrong way then. I thought it was Arrowpodcast.com. You should get that. I, you know, I should get arrowpodcast.com. I mean, like you're going to have to now or someone else is going to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good call. If they haven't already. Um, uh, I'm I'm typing it in right now. There you go. As we speak. Somebody already has it. Oh, man. You've been sending people to somebody else's site, Steve. Oh, crap. My bad, guys. My bad. Quiver podcast. It will never happen again. Well, you know what? It's okay because it doesn't go anywhere. Whoever has that isn't using it. So okay. Uh, well, you know what? When I first started Geek Out Loud, geekoutloud.com, whoever had it, it wasn't going anywhere. Um, <clears throat> but today, uh, or but last week or a couple of weeks ago, I went and tried to see. Well, I wonder if it's available now. And I, it's a twelve hundred dollar site now, a twelve hundred dollar <laughs> URL. So. Someone wants to save up for a Christmas present for me. Uh, you, know. you know, I Kickstarter is a thing that happens, and people are that's very true. Excited about that's it. true. So I don't know if there's a Kickstarter idea there for you. Might to buy be, maybe to, to, to buy geekoutonline.com. Geek out, uh, geek out, uh, geek out uh, geek yeah. yeah. So, 
Well, Cohen, thanks for coming on. We're going to have to get together, though, and talk Tron and... John Carter. John Carter. Well, see, Derek and I kind of talked John Carter once, and I don't know. I've got to watch John but, Carter again. Okay, here's the thing, though. You and you and Derek may have talked John Carter, but I need to preach the gospel of John Carter. Oh, Lord. Here we go. <laughs> because John Carter is... Uh, that is something worth fighting for. Okay. okay. If All you right. want to direct some Star Wars... I uh, love effort towards fighting for something that Disney could do. Uh, a John Carter sequel is is what I would recommend. Uh, Back to Barsoom, I'm going to give them a plug. Back to Barsoom is a, is a group on Facebook and also a Facebook page that's a, a campaign dedicated to getting a sequel to John Carter. All right. Uh, and uh, people need to get on that because that was the best movie of 2012, in my opinion. Wow. Step out. Yeah. Total it's step a, out. Okay. Yeah. Well, I will. Uh, I, I need to go get it and watch it again. So, um, <clears throat> but but definitely definitely we'll have you back on. Definitely 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 have you back on to talk about that. And uh, and I'm sure we'll have you on again and again and again because you've been on so much in the since the inception of Geek Out Loud. <laughs> yeah, I I'm just a real regular. You just. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest though. You've had as much input in Geek Out Loud as I have. You know that it is fair. I I, I feel like I've been the silent partner. You for, are for the last few years. You are. Uh, for those who don't know, Cohen designed the Geek Out Loud logo, the 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 website that's there, the Geek Out Online website. When we had forums, he was very heavily involved in getting those seen about. Um, Big honking show. Uh, everything just about everything i've ever done i've turned to cohen and been like can you help me out with this <laughs> and and he always comes through in a huge huge way so um uh but uh you but, lose your train of thought i did, did lose my train of thought yeah text came in um <laughs> everything everything i do online Nine times out of ten, if it's my project, I get Cohen. Not even nine times out of ten. Ten times out of ten, I get Cohen to do it. AWScreative.com. I've noticed where you've been selling some art. Yes, I have. I yeah, I've got my paintings and stuff up there. Actually, I'm doing. Uh, if if people go to my Etsy shop, I'm on Etsy. If you put in Arkwolf, A R K W U L F, on the internet, I I that's that's my screen name mm -hmm. everywhere so if you go to etsy and you search for my shop i i'm putting up some uh geek stuff over there uh and i'm doing these new they're like these little tiny uh, i think they're three inches by three inch canvases and i did a ghostbusters logo and i did a superman logo awesome and I'm doing a set of three Doctor Who ones for a friend of mine. Uh oh! But it's a it's a really it's I'm doing them for twenty bucks a piece. So mm -hmm. if people, oh. just a little tiny canvas. I have my Super One Man at my desk at work, and uh, I I get people comment on it, and they, it's just a cool way of showing. Uh, it's a little geek badge. I like to think a little geek so. badge. That's what you should yeah. call them, geek badge. Yeah. The, the, the so, geek, uh, that's so what that people, is the official name of them. Yes. Buy okay. your geek That's badge at awscreator.com. Yeah. Go to his Etsy page. Just search for Arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. If you've got some type of uh, design or, or creative graphic design that needs to be done, get in touch with him and uh, get in touch with Michael and, and put him to work for you. He needs he needs the work. So. <laughs> I appreciate the work. Let's say it that way. Okay, he appreciates the work. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and he does good work. It's worth every cent you'll pay. So... 
I'm not I'm not ashamed to plug you at all, sir, uh, in, in your talents and abilities. So head over head over and check that out, everyone. Michael, thanks for coming on, my friend. Tell your lovely wife, Crystal, I said hello, and I'm flinging love at her from the warm spring weather we're having here today. 17 degrees Celsius here, so. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. <laughs> I have no idea. It's warm. It's nice. Is it really? Okay, well, good. Well, good. We're we're on the same we're on the same boat. Man. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Michael. Everyone else, we'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud.